Welcome to today's episode. I'm super excited because today I'm going to interview Ryan Spence, uh, a lawyer, a lawyer turned yogi and coach. And I'm very excited to hear about your experience. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Successful, Sensitive and Intuitive Entrepreneur podcast. My name is Lydia Sophia Wilmsen and I am an intuitive success mentor for sensitive entrepreneurs. In this podcast, I speak about the challenges sensitive and intuitive entrepreneurs face. I offer you new perspectives and solutions, as well as experiences of other entrepreneurs. Plus, I speak about my personal experience of being a highly sensitive person who has successfully built and scaled two businesses. All of that with the goal to make you and your business even more successful in your very unique and authentic way. Have fun and enjoy. Thanks for having me, Lydia. Good to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to get into it. That's the vibe. So what I usually start with is like, tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit where you come from, what you do, like just several sentences so that we get an idea about you. Sure, no problem. So as you said, I'm Ryan, Ryan Spence. I'm originally from the UK. Um, I was in Singapore for about seven years. Uh, and in my former life, I was a finance lawyer um, for 11 years. So um, yeah, quite a long time. And yeah, I trained, I qualified in London, got the chance to move to Singapore, which was fantastic. But there was something that just didn't feel quite right. Um, and I think it was around the time of my first child being born that this inner voice was saying, is this really you? Is this really what you want to do? Is this really where you want to go? Um, and I ignored it. <laughs> I was like, I've got a job. I'm successful. Everyone still thinks I'm successful. I need to keep going. What else am I going to do? Mm. The voice just kept getting louder and louder. I had a second child, um, more stresses of the, of the job. And I think the final trigger was December 2018. Um, I was going away with the family for Christmas. We'd flown to Bali, had a great villa with friends. And we landed at the airport, um, got in the car to take us to the villa, turned on my phone and there was an email. A deal that had been quiet was suddenly back to life, had to be done by Christmas. That meant working over Christmas. Oh, gosh. And it wasn't the first time, um, but I think that arriving at the, this amazing villa, having all our friends there, wanting to have a great Christmas and New Year, and effectively spending many hours each day in one of the spare rooms working or thinking about what I had to do. It just wasn't really the wind down that I was expecting. And I just said to myself, I need to, th I need to leave. I need to think about what I can do instead. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, uh, I guess, the <clears throat> moment. And then it was, I guess, nearly two years or so of not really knowing what to do. Um, I was definitely stuck by limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, I'd been a lawyer for 11 years. So it's kind of like, what else am I going to do? I can only be a lawyer. Um, but I kind of delved into personal development. Um, learned a lot about myself, got back into yoga, went on a retreat and was like, I think yoga is the path for me. But I wouldn't say that out loud. It was kind of like this thing in my head. Yeah. But I couldn't really verbalize it because it just didn't seem like something that somebody like me would do. Mm. Um, and I think what eventually made a shift for me was I went to London in December 2019 for work, but knowing that when I returned to Singapore, the possibility of, of redundancy, of layoff was, was going to be there. And I actually felt okay about that. 
But I use the time in London to kind of really sit down and think, okay, what am I going to do here? And I sort of met an ex-colleague who was a coach. We had dinner and she sort of said, it sounds like you could use coaching to help you work this out. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. Let's give it a go. I'm quite an open-minded kind of guy. Mm. Um, And the first two sessions, those Livingston beliefs were still there. I was still exploring things in and around law. Mm. Um, But the third session, I kind of just let out. I want to do something in yoga and wellness. And suddenly this whole weight was lifted off me. It was like my mind suddenly became more expansive. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, your whole energy suddenly shifted. Um, You could tell, like you just lit up. Uh, So that's what I decided I was going to do. Didn't know how or or what or or whatever, but I decided that I needed to change path. Mm. Um, So there, that's the the quick story from, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love the story. It's very inspiring because as you said, it took, it took quite some time and lots of overcoming like limiting beliefs and um, like a big shift, especially for people who come from a very successful career, you know, and then to decide against it and go for something new, for something different. Like I do honor that path, like really. And my first question for you would be to share a little bit more around the limiting beliefs. So you mentioned one, like, oh, what else should I do? Like what other limiting beliefs were there? So I think for for that, I kind of go back a little bit and look at the, I guess what I'd call the traditional path. So the traditional path is you work hard, you get good grades, you get into a good university, you get a good job and you climb the career ladder and you you climb it as high as you can go. And that's what you do. And that is success. And along the way, you acquire the trappings of success. You, you get the car, you get the house, you have the holidays, you know, all of those things. And that's very, very much what society conditions you to think you need to do. And I think particularly coming from um, an immigrant background, my my parents are originally from Jamaica. um, There is always this this message that you, you need to work twice as hard as everybody else in order to succeed. And being a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant is kind of like, that's the dream. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's the golden the golden ticket in, in a sense. And then you've made it. The parents feel that their hard work is done. They've got you to where you need to get to and you're effectively set for life. Okay. So when you're around the conditioning at home and the conditioning in society, it's very hard to, um, to effectively push back against that. That's kind of how your mind is. Mm-hmm. And I did at times try to sort of push back, but there was never really any sort of, guidance for me, any kind of sort of vision of an alternative path. So I originally dropped out of university. I went to do a music business degree and and I dropped out because I wanted to work in the music business. And that was my rebellion. And I loved it. Um, For four years, I loved it. Made no money, um, but had a fantastic time, made Mm -hmm. great people, had great experiences. But I know I was, it was a bit of a disappointment (laughs) to my parents. Um, And also in terms of friends and et cetera, you know, I mean, other people were moving on. They were getting graduate schemes. They were sort of moving on in their career. They were having holidays. They were thinking of buying houses. So I kind of accepted that, okay, I kind of need to, need to do that. Um, so I went back, got my law degree, became a lawyer and was on that path. And it was great. You know, I, I enjoyed the first few years, these big gleaming buildings in the city, working on billion dollar deals, et cetera. Mm. But taking all of that, to come back to your original question, it's very hard to see anything else because you're told that 
this is this is what you do. You've made it in some instances against the odds. So why would you give that up? Why would you give up the safety, the security, um, the success, the status uh, to go off and do something that is, well, just, just to go off into the unknown, really? Um, why would you do that? So, and without a vision of people who have done that, without people to sort of talk to who can sort of say to you, well, how about thinking about it this way? Or how about doing it that way? Or this is what I did. It's very hard to sort of see past your own circumstance, um, your own bubble in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love everything you shared. And it's such a beautiful story. And I think like now that you shared your background that I didn't know about, like even more like this idea, you need to work double, like twice as hard and like not, and I think um, not to, not wanting to disappoint parents. That's such a big thing. And we are grownups, you know, like we are in thirties, forties, whatever. And still those beliefs, it's like crazy, you know, like we are not little children anymore. And it has such a grasp on, on, on us. And I think until we make this leap and you did it in a proper way. I never worked a proper career, so to say, like a proper, you know, like the one you um, you shared now, like I was always basically self-employed. So I don't, I didn't have to make this big shift. And um, yet to understand that, to give up so much. And what would you say? Like now let's shift to the other side. What was, what would you say did you gain? Like, was it worth it? Was it worth it to go into the unknown and drop out of the career and the big fancy cars and being a lawyer, being like all, you know, everyone looks at you like, wow, was it worth it? Yes. <laughs> um, to, to, to be frank, uh, yes. Um, for lots of reasons. Um, I think the first point I want to make is that it isn't easy. It's, it's a lot of work. I, and I think that I didn't even realize that. You think that if you're in something where you're not happy, the answer is to change your external circumstance. But what I found um, and what I, um, what I sort of work with my clients on is that until you've worked on the internal, you've done the inner work, then if you change the external, you're just going to be in exactly the same position. So a lot of people um, look at me and say, oh, do you know what I mean? You're a lawyer and now you're a yoga teacher. That's great. And think maybe they want to do that. But as I say, is that that's fine. But if you don't do the inner work, then you're going to go from being a, a sort of stressed out, burnt out, miserable lawyer to being a stressed out, burnt out, miserable yoga teacher. Like that's not the answer. That's not the way to make the shift. So you've got to work internally. Um, and so it was worth it because it made me do that work and that work to get to where I am now. And that work is by no means finished, but I have a clearer sense of who I am, of what makes me tick, of what my values are. Um, and they have been formed through me doing the work and looking inwards as opposed to looking outwards and taking all the things that people say you should do or you should want or you should feel. So do I like nice cars and nice things all the rest of it? Of course I do, definitely. Um, but I'm willing to either make the sacrifice to not have them or to deprive myself of them for a period of time if it means that I can live a life which is more in alignment with my values because I want to get those things in a way that is meaningful and purposeful to me through doing the work that is meaningful and personal to me that I feel is making a positive impact. And I think that that's what I struggled with in my latter years of law once I started to develop this awareness and go down the personal development journey is that what is this all for? 
Um, and I didn't really have an answer. And um, we, we might come to this later in terms of personality types, but as I kind of started to look a bit more at that, it became a bit clear as to why I was struggling in a way that maybe some people were not. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely, it's definitely worth it. Um, I have no idea where the path will take me, mm. but that's part of the beauty of it. And I also think that in current times, the um, argument that, no, you have a good job, you're staying it, it's secure and it's safe has been blown out, the win- blown out the window because what's safe anymore? What's secure? Um, people are losing their jobs. People are living through a lot of uncertainty. So it's as certain going off and doing your own thing where you, at least you have some control over that as opposed to staying somewhere effectively like a sitting duck waiting for something to happen. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, so much gold in there. Mm. Yeah, I liked everything. And I just wanted to say like this idea of like starting your own business or going your own ways, like, you know, like leaving something secure as basically the means to do, uh, to do like, or to, to bring you to inner work. Like very often we think, oh, we do the inner work and then we end up having the successful business and you just showed it the other way around. And I really love that. It's like, okay, I want change. I need change. Let's do that. And then seeing, like, I really love this because... This is such a huge hang up. And I coach my clients all the time around this. It's like, oh, I want more money. I want whatever. And then I'm happy. And you basically show like, yeah, no, I will be a stressed out um, yoga teacher. It's like, does this even exist? Yeah, of course, because you will take yourself with it to that. So the new business is the same as more money. It doesn't bring you the happiness. It, yeah, it instills the desire to do the inner work, like at least for you. And I think that's, that's how it, that's how it works. Like, then you have understood like the basic, the basis of life or not you, but the people, you know, and yeah, it's a personal growth story. I love that. And I also love that you, that you share with us, like, it's not done. Like you're never done. You're still on the path as am I, you know, it's not like once you are successful with X amount of numbers or have done X amount of years of work, then you're done and you don't need to learn anything anymore. Like, no, we keep learning. Like we keep growing every day, wherever we are. And the third thing I wanted to say, the beautiful thing that you said about guidance, like you didn't have those people you could look up to um, who showed you the way. And um, that would also be a question then from, from me to you, like how like guidance is so important and you got coaching very early on. And like for some people, that's that's an issue. For some people, especially also when we talk probably about the work that you do right now, um, you know, saying like, I need help and I even pay you good money for, you know, coaching or for support. How did this come to you so seemingly easily that you accepted help from that coach? I think, so I started seeing the coach in January, 2020. I think if it had been maybe a year earlier, I may not have been receptive. So I think that I had to, I had to get to a place where, I had done some work myself um, and maybe felt that I could use some outside help. But the thing is, I didn't know that. And I think that this is the thing sometimes, you don't always know what it is that you need, but the universe presents it to you. So I didn't know I needed a coach. I knew some people who were trained to be coaches. I had a vague idea of, of what a coach was, but... I didn't necessarily think I needed one. I didn't necessarily think that people like myself got them. I thought it was for people who were in big executive positions who were trying to, in a law firm context, make partner or were sort of going to be new CEOs or whatever. 
Um, so I didn't really know how it could help me. But at the same time, I, I, I sort of wasn't resistant to it. And I think it was because I sat having the conversation, it was somebody who I knew, so I already felt comfortable with. It was somebody who'd been in the environment I'd been in. She'd actually been in the same firm. And so she understood kind of where I was and this crossroads where I was. And it was just presented as, you know, maybe this can help you. And it wasn't presented as, oh, I can help you. It was kind of like, I could do it or I have other colleagues who could, but it sounds like having those conversations may help you figure this out. So I think I needed to be a certain way down the path. I think if, if, if someone had just said, oh, I'm a coach, let me help you. I'd be like, yeah, why would I, why would I pay you like good money to effectively talk about my problems? Because I'm not the type of person who asks for help. That's something which I've really had to work on and I've worked on with my coach. I'm very much, I love helping other people, but I'll figure things out myself. Um, and having a coach has helped me see that actually, sometimes you just make that investment in yourself to move along a lot quicker. Um, because I could have probably got to where I got to without seeing a coach, but how long would that have taken me? How much sort of pain would I have had to go through? And what would that struggle have been like? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my answer to that, I guess. Mm, I do like that. <clears throat> that sometimes the universe or whoever, God, whatever you want to put in there, presents you something and then you're open to receive it basically in that moment. And perhaps a year before you wouldn't have and... Um, I think it also puts you in a unique position to help others in that area because you know that people are like you probably, you know, like I figure figure this out by myself and get it done and I just help others. And you know about that. So you can probably address that. So that's actually uh, really, really good. And um, another question I would like to ask you since I have like a proper lawyer or career person here who has followed the, the typical path for 11 years. <laughs> What would you say, I just came up with this question, super interesting, what would you say can you take from your career, like from your typical career of 11 years, what can you use for your business? Like what, because we said like it's very stressful, it's not like you have to follow your boss, like usually we, we pick all the negatives, you know, so what are actually positive things you can now use for your business and for the this huge shift you have made? Oh, that's a great question because I think that I try not to, but I think that sometimes people can take it as that you're you're effectively dismissing um, your corporate career and that it was of no value whatsoever. And that's far from the truth because I always look at things as I wouldn't be here if I hadn't been there. Um, so that is taking me on this journey. I wouldn't have gone to Singapore. I wouldn't have met the people that I'd met. I wouldn't have gone on the journey that, I, that I'd gone on. Um, so I, I value um, a lot from my previous career. There was resilience and discipline um, um, are definitely key. Um, I was going to say learning how to deal with stress, but actually that's not true. I learned how to deal with stress, but it wasn't the job that taught me that. But the job gave me the stress and I had to kind of find the, the, the tools to deal with that. And maybe if I hadn't had to go through those moments, I may not have sort of gone on that personal development journey um, because I think it's only when you experience some pain um, or, or some struggle that you look to change things. Otherwise, you just stick with the status quo. Mm. Um, obviously, as a, as a lawyer, and particularly in a, in a, in a big international firm, you're, you, you're trained well and you're highly skilled. Um, so things, even just the practicalities of looking at documents, um, you know, or, or, or understanding sort of some complicated text or having conversations with people, how to write emails. Um, okay, my email style has changed now because it doesn't have to be as formal and as corporate. But still, knowing how to 
put things together in a way that's succinct, that's to the point, that um, that is clear. Um, so yeah, there's a whole host of things. And I wouldn't have met some of the people that I've met. I met some fantastic people in law, some who are still within the profession, some who have also gone on to do other things and inspire me as well. Um, and I still draw a, a lot on those relationships. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure there, there'll be a whole, whole lot more. Um, I think the experience of being able to travel, to live overseas, to have that experience. And then while living overseas, the sort of trips that I've made, whether it's for business or for pleasure, has really opened my my eyes to the possibilities in the world. So it expanded my horizons um, in that sense, because you're meeting people from lots of different backgrounds, um, who from lots of different places. And you, yeah, you, you effectively just, again, just expanding your horizons. So I, I take a lot from it. And I'm still very much unlearning some things, but also debriefing in terms of what I take away from it. It's been about a year or so since I've been out, out, out of that world. Um, and I'm sure that there, there will be more, but they're the things that immediately come to mind. So I look on that time as valuable. Um, I look on that time as necessary for me to get to where I get to, got to now. Um, and without having done that, I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have made the investments in myself that I've made. Um, and I, I wouldn't have gone on the journey that I've gone on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And yeah, it's probably like for the audience, for everyone who has gone through like uh, some corporate career, you know, to check on like what is the value in that is super, super important because some, so many people come with, yeah, with resistance, you know, like, oh, I just want to get rid of that. I just want to do something new. And they, yeah, they they throw away a lot of beauty and a lot of values they and a lot of skills, as you just mentioned. So Thank yeah. you for, for giving us some insight there. And I think also that the message isn't that everybody has to leave a corporate career and that corporate is evil because it's not. I think the message is that everybody is different. Everyone's an individual. And you have to find what it is that works for you. Just because you're in one corporate position and you don't like that, it doesn't mean that the corporate world in and of itself isn't for you. It just means you haven't found your place yet. Some people will want to go off and be entrepreneurs and, and, and steer their own ship. And some people won't. It just depends on how you're built and how you're wired. I think what it is that, uh, and I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, what, what I'm more sort of trying to get people to sort of think about and get out of is, I guess, a corporate state of mind. Because it's, it's, it's a way of thinking where you're effectively waiting for things to happen for you or to be told what to do or how to act or how to progress. I think you can be in a corporate environment and not have a corporate state of mind and have a mind where entrepreneurial really, where you are actively looking, okay, what can I do here? How can I progress? How can I help? How can I bring value? Um, and you may get your fulfillment and your purpose that way. So that's fine. I just think you've got to figure out what it is that works for you. Um, I think um, there are people who can inspire you by their own journey but you have to look at that journey, take from it what works and what resonates with you, um, but also understand that their path may not be your path. Um, but by following and looking at what their path is, you can probably get some ideas of how to sort of find your own way. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I love this um, difference you made or differentiation between corporate state of mind and on- entrepreneurial mindset. And then you can actually take like the entrepreneurial mindset into your corporate co- um, career and shift this totally. 
Yeah, so thank you for that. Um, no, I would like, um, because you mentioned that before, like you also had to unlearn some things. So what are like new or new uh, new parts of your mindset now? Like what, perhaps some tips and tricks for the audience, either who are about to make that shift or who have done the shift. And like, because you have the difference so much, you know, I said like, I don't have that. I have my entrepreneurial mindset, that's it. And mm -hmm. obviously all the, the other stuff, like limiting beliefs and whatever, we all have that. So what would you say are important things or important part um, of an entrepreneurial mindset and things you had to unlearn or you are unlearning from your corporate career? Oh, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing, the first thing that comes to mind is perfection. Basically, oh. as a lawyer. <laughs> I mean, as a lawyer, you're, you're, you're drilled in attention to detail and in, in perfection. And you, you just don't want to get anything wrong. Um, and I mean, that's that's to be expected. I mean, clients are paying you, paying the firm sort of huge amounts of money to get things right. So you stress over, you know, I mean, weird things which people outside of law will look on like that's what, like, you know, I mean, is this in-house? Is this in the right house style? Is that full stop in the right place? Are these, are, are these commas in the right place? I mean, all those sorts of things. So you really do kind of stress over those details. And I had to learn when I kind of stepped out of that, that Can I say something? Sorry to interrupt, because I think actually this is also very important. So we might laugh about this, but I know or I have heard if something like even like a dot or something is not right, this can collapse the whole lawsuit. Like if something stupid, tiny like that is not working, this can like make your give you like whatever, lose the lawsuit. So I think, yeah, it's even very important in that job. Yeah, it's kind of like putting the punctuation in the wrong place can really change the meaning. Yeah, change the meaning of the, um, of the clause. So it's not to say that, so I'm not saying that it's wrong, but it's something that you're, that you're taught, it's part of your training. But what you realize when you move to an entrepreneurial mindset is that if you stick with that way of doing things, you won't move forward. And I think that one of the, one of the big things that I learn and that I talk about um, in doing what I'm doing now is the importance of taking action even if things aren't perfect, because nothing will be perfect. I remember launching my Instagram account in April 2020 um, for what I was going to be doing. So originally it was just yoga. And those first few posts, I spent hours agonizing over the design, over the text, over how it was written, over what people might say about what I'd written. Does this come across in the right way? I had my wife look over it. You know, it was, and I look back now and I'm like, that was such a waste of time. Whereas now I can literally have an idea pop into my head, take out my phone, write a caption and post it within five minutes sometimes. You know, it can be just that instinctive. And because now I'm clear on who I am and my vision, whereas I think at the time I was still finding my way. And I think the other thing is that when you're in a law firm or you're, you're in a, in a uh, big corporation, even when you are putting things out there, whether it's an article that you've written, whether you're standing up to talk on stage, you're still kind of hiding behind a brand, um, behind um, an organization. So there's some sort of level of protection. Yes, it's you up there, but you're effectively delivering somebody else's message. When you move into an entrepreneurial um, sort of um, world, it's you, you're on the line, you're putting yourself out there, your beliefs, your words for anybody to attack and criticize. And so I had to really learn and get comfortable with putting myself out there and getting to a place, what I say now, it's, it's service over ego. It's about 
the pain or the issues that might affect me personally are smaller than the potential impact that sharing may have. So I've had messages from people, whether it's about podcasts, whether it's about an Instagram caption that I've written, whether it's about an article, where they're like, I really relate to that, or I haven't heard it in that way before, or that's been really inspiring to me. And for me, that is more important than any discomfort I might feel about putting something out there. Um, but again, I would never have done that as a lawyer. I would never have done any of what I'm doing now as a lawyer. I mean, I had an Instagram account for probably two or three years as a lawyer and I had a couple of photos on there for my holiday. I mean, I, I just didn't really do things like that. Whereas now, like, I have no issue with, okay, I've got, I want to say something about this and just saying it and putting it out there. And also the thing is that you can try things as an entrepreneur and if it doesn't work, you just do something else. You get that immediate feedback um, you know, you put something out there, in, you know, it doesn't work or you're not quite happy or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, next time I'll do it a bit differently. I'll do it this way. I'll do it that way. But you're not waiting for permission to do something, to make things happen. Um, you, you, you just get up and like, I've got an idea. I'm going to execute on that today. And off you go. So. Mm. Oh, I love that. Those are really quite some differences. And um, especially what you said, like the, yeah, the three things, like, The first thing, yeah, the first thing, the perfection thing, then the thing about, okay, you can hide behind the the little logo of your firm. And I think I mentioned that before, not in the podcast, but when we talked, there's that some people are amazing salespeople and they can sell like, they get millions in commissions because they sell whatever cars of a brand or something. But if they then have to sell their own service themselves, they they suck. They can't do it. And that's the huge difference because what you said, like I can't phrase it as beautiful as you just said it, like or I can't like repeat it, like that you basically, yeah, you are out there with your own beliefs and you face the criticism and like you're, you yourself are facing criticism, not even the brand. So that's a huge thing. And I and, and the third thing, um, what I also really like was the, that now you see the pain and the discomfort you have to go through. Um, you see this as smaller as the impact you have. And I, this is one of the big shifts I also teach like my clients, you know, like if you put something out there, it's less about you. It's really about the other person. And if you make that shift or whenever you make that shift, it's, it gets so much easier. And yeah, I would like to know that like hiding behind the logo or hiding behind the company's name, like mm -hmm. What, how did you do that? Like what was, because so many people struggle with that, even later on, visibility issues, you know? How, like, what was the shift for you that you now can say, okay, my pain is smaller than, or the discomfort and I just do it. Like what, was it a coaching intervention? Was it just like an enlightened moment? What helped you shift that? I think, so I did my yoga teacher training in July, 2020. Um, it was delayed because of COVID. It should have been earlier. And It was one of the most transformational experiences for me. I went into it thinking that I would learn more about yoga and deepen my practice. And I left it realizing that I knew nothing. There was so much I didn't know, but it was all fascinating and I wanted to know more. And I think the thing about yoga is that people look at it as the physical. You just go, you stretch and you leave after an hour. But actually, when you get into the philosophy of it, I find that there's actually a lot of parallels with coaching because it's all about looking inward and it's all about working towards your higher self. I mean, trying to improve your own life and the life of those around you. I, so I think it was, I think it was my teacher training and my, and my teacher within that training and just his whole approach to life and to teaching and to yoga 
you're here to make a difference in the world, however small. And everybody has, everybody has a higher self. Everybody has potential within them. But so many people don't reach that potential. But it's actually not for you to decide what people will and will not listen to, what people do and do not want to know. We all, and I, I say this, this often, he didn't say this, but it's probably a, a paraphrase of what he said, is that we all have a story to share. We all have a story to tell. And we, we've got a duty to tell that story because that story could help somebody. And if it helps one person, that's fantastic. You don't have to help millions. You just have to help that one person see themselves within a situation and realize that they can do that as well. Because that's the thing, it's representation. It's seeing someone and saying, I can do that too. That person was just me. You know, I, somebody who says, I'm in a law firm. I'm, I'm not that happy with, with, with what I'm doing here. I kind of really want to find some purpose and meaning, but I don't think I can leave. To then look around and see five, six, seven other lawyers or people who've kind of gone on to do other things and be like, but they started where I was. They didn't have any particular special skills or a whole lot of money or whatever it is. They just decided that they were going to make a change and they did the work to make that change. So that's, yeah, that, that's kind of what I, I would say is that you just got to get out there and do it. And it isn't easy. And it took me, it probably took me a good two or three months to be more comfortable about not stressing over everything and looking for every typo and every comma and overthinking what I was what I was sending out. But once I got there and once I kind of knew that people were listening, even if they didn't always tell you and that it was actually helping, then I was like, okay, well, I need to do, I need to keep doing this then because it's not, it's selfish of me to not help if I feel that I can help, right? So then you, when you reframe it, is that reframing, I think, as I say, service over ego, it's reframing it from my ego potentially being damaged and hurt and I'm getting no likes and nobody's talking to me and no one's engaging to, I'm going to put this out there because I think it would help somebody. It probably would have helped me in this situation. And whether somebody responds or not, as long as it helps that one person, that's what I've done. And that's helped me sort of hugely in, in my content and in what I do. Um, and, and just sort of not overthink and not strive for perfection, whatever that means. Yeah, I love that you um, brought the, the yoga training um, into the conversation again, because I also wanted to ask something about that. Like this was um, seemingly a huge, important shift for you. And it's, it's amazing. And I do practice a lot of yoga. I'm not so like, I'm not going into the philosophy all the time. I just use it, use it since 15 years or something when it was still, you know, the beginning stages of be, be, becoming hip. <laughs> <laughs> so can you share a little bit more, not per se about the philosophy, more about what helps you in your, in your business today, what helps you in your, in, in the shifts you're doing and what helps you with your clients, perhaps some Some ideas, because you said um, almost like yoga philosophy is similar to to coaching. Like perhaps one, two, three more things from that. Sure, I'd always practiced yoga for years, um, but was never really that consistent, largely because of work. But when I got consistent and sort of committed to a daily practice, I just found that that solace on the mat. I mean that 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 was just golden for me. I think that particularly. Um, people in, in big law firms and in, in corporate careers, we, we're quite competitive people. You, you, you want to win, you want to succeed, you want to do all of that. So yoga isn't that. And I think that that's, that's kind of why sort of people struggle or maybe aren't, aren't attracted to it. But 
to kind of give some sort of practical tips. Just getting on the mat every day, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's 30 minutes, whether you just sit in child's pose or cross-legged with your eyes closed, taking that time is time out of your day that is just for you. It's time where you are looking within yourself. It's time where you are focusing on your breathing. It's just time to just be. We spend a lot of time doing, but I think we we need to spend time just being because that's where you find out about yourself. That's where some of your greatest, most creative ideas come from, just being in that space. So when I talk about yoga, yes, you have the sort of amazing pictures on Instagram in glamorous places of people doing the splits and doing these amazing things. But I kind of want people to kind of dismiss that from their mind slightly and just think about having a mat in a quiet place where you just, you're, you're just being. And if that's all you do for each morning, get up and sit on your mat for 10 minutes and just focus on your breath, that's yoga. And that's going to have serious benefit to you. For me, I'm a big proponent of what I call mindful movement. And so that, again, can be yoga. Um, It can be just 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. Again, just moving through sequences on the mat, however simple or, or, or gentle, but using that time to focus on your breath, focus on your mind and focus on your body, noticing how things feel, not striving to get into a particular pose that you've seen on YouTube, but just noticing how your body feels as you move through and noticing each day, maybe you're a little bit tighter here. Maybe your mind is a little bit busier here. Maybe you can't focus today. Maybe you can't balance well. And just recognizing, getting that awareness and noticing why that is. Because a lot of us, we're not aware. We are so on the go all the time. Particularly, I know in my old job, you're you're always moving to the next deal. There's a call coming in here and there's an email coming in there. You've got to deal with this. You don't necessarily get that awareness. So, you know, I mean, a year, two years down the line, or, or, or sometimes shorter than that, you'll look in the mirror and you maybe don't recognize yourself. Maybe you've put on weight. Maybe your posture's off. You know, I mean, maybe you've got a, a slight pain in your in your hip, but you haven't really noticed it because you you just keep moving. So taking that time on the mat in the morning to either just sit and just be progressing to maybe introducing some movement to that. And then again, however sort of short that is, but just getting that movement to sort of wake yourself up. The breath is is magical. The breath is important. We all do it, breathe without thinking, but the breath is powerful. Um, I shared with um, with my clients um, three breathwork sequences. Um, and there's one they can use in the morning which to kind of energize them, one they can use at night to kind of help relax them. But the one that they can use in the day when they're feeling particularly stressful, you've, you've got to make that, uh, that sort of difficult phone call or you've just come off a really heated discussion. It's powerful because rather than continuing the rest of your day in that fight or flight state, you bring yourself back down, you, you, you sort of focusing on that breath, you calm yourself, and then you can kind of get that clarity of mind to decide what you do next. So, you, so you're doing it from a place of intention and not from a place of reaction. So yeah, I mean- Would yeah, you share that with us? The breath. The, the breath work. Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah, it's very um, simple, really. I mean, all you all you do, and you can do it for, for, for as little or as long as you like. What I like to do is sort of exhale all the air out first. Then you slowly breathe in for four. So go one, two, three, four. Hold for one, two, three, four. And then exhale for one, two, three, four. And it's as simple as that. And I normally sort of um, 
do a, a five minute um, one. I give one to my clients for five minutes. But the beauty of it is that you can do it any time of the day yeah. for 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And what it does, it does a lot of things because as I say, it calms the nervous system. But if you close your eyes, you get that visual break. We spend so much time looking at screens that even when we're taking a break from our work, I know I'm guilty of this. I take a break from my work and then I pick up my, my phone to look at Instagram or look whatever. Um, but if you're actually doing the breathing, you're just focused on that breath. So everything kind of shuts down for that period of time and it allows you to kind of recharge and reset. Whatever you're doing, whether you, you're, you're in the corporate world, whether you're an entrepreneur, you need those moments of reset and recharge throughout the day because we can't keep going all the time without stopping because something will break. I mean, our body will tell us there's something wrong. And if you don't listen the first time or the second time, eventually it will tell you in a way which you then, then can't ignore. So yeah, yeah. your well-being is, is key. Great tips. Thank you, Ryan. Just one thought which came to me um, on top of that is like, you know, yoga is like Eastern philosophy and we have so much to learn from that. And for example, uh, when we go into all the different health advice, like from the East, be it like traditional Chinese medicine, being Indian, yoga, Ayurveda, all of that, they all have this understanding that disease or disease that like is like when we have something physical, we can see and feel this is the latest stage of disease. And in our Western, so, uh, Western medicine, this is when oh, now we have a problem, now we deal with it. Mm -hmm. And there it's the last stage. For us here, it's the first stage. And there it's the last stage. That means there is so much in, in disbalance already and they work on rebalancing the body. So it's like a totally different approach to the body. And I think we can learn so much because we are powerful in the mind, I think. Like, you know, the lawyer, you have to quick decisions, think, be like highly intelligent and we totally lose the connection to the body. And this is what you just introduced, you know, like feeling in the body, breath work, movement. This is what we are we are lacking, you know, like how I mean that. But this is like what, what we are not being taught here. So through yoga and that, through what you just mentioned, like, yeah, you bring that back into, into our society or into our outlook on life, basically. So that's yeah. great. One of the biggest pushbacks is that I don't have time. I'm too busy. I mean, I don't have time to do yoga. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to do breath work. But if you, that's, that's kind of a short-term view. Because if you don't make the time now, it's going to catch up with you down the line. And then you'll, you'll have more time where you perhaps can't move how you want to, where you're in hospital, where you're ill. So it's, as you say, it's all about working to maintain that balance um, consistently, as opposed to just dealing with the problem when it's there. It's looking at what you, looking at what you eat, looking at, um, at how, how you live, how you move. I mean, and, and, and all of those things on a consistent basis, as opposed to punishing yourself on a really hard, long run, sort of once a week or, you know I mean, or, or, or sort of having to sort of go to the, the hospital because you've got some serious illness a year down the line because you didn't take care of yourself in the preceding year. Whatever it is that you're doing, you can't escape the fact that your well-being is fundamentally it. I mean, it's the first thing that I, I, I talk to with clients when they start working with me is that unless you've got your well-being in check, The rest of it doesn't matter because you, you, you can't do anything if you're not well. But physically, mentally, you just can't. You can't give anything to anybody else and you can't do anything um, productive for yourself if you haven't taken care of your mind, your body, your breath. So, yeah, so important. Um, and I know, I think like after our interview, I'm just going to roll out my mat and do a little bit of yoga. <laughs> I was, I was listening to you and I was like, oh, that's that. 
That was very nice. I can I can totally see you as a yoga teacher as well. Yeah, very <laughs> much. Um, what I want to use like for the the last bit of our time together. Um, obviously, two more questions. One is around money mindset, and the other one around being an introvert and highly sensitive. So let's start with money mindset because you come from a career where you were probably paid a lot of money. You said you had the cars, the vacation, like all of that, that lifestyle, and now building your own business. Like, have you come across some money obstacles or some money mindset obstacles, or were you was it just the same and you kept on going with what you already made, basically? Uh, money, my relationship with money, yes, it's been a complicated one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think growing up without much money. And then, as I said, when I worked in the music business, I didn't have many. It was kind of very much one week um, I, I I would have cash in my pocket because we'd done a few gigs. And then the next, I wouldn't know how I was going to pay my rent. It was kind of very much that that sort of situation. So I, I guess I didn't know this at the time, but knowing what I know now, I guess I always had a scarcity mindset in relation to money. It was always a case of I never had enough. But it was a weird one because I, I felt I never had enough. So when I did have enough, when I started working in law and I was suddenly making a salary, which I never imagined I'd make in my life, it was a combination of, I want to do all the things that I couldn't do before. So I would take black cabs. I would go on holidays and staying amazing resorts, um, you know what I mean? And, and, and sort of shopping all the designer stores I couldn't shop in before. But I still never had any money. I was still kind of looking out for payday at the end of the month because I still had that sort of scarcity mindset. And I was spending because I needed to do that to compensate for the stress, I guess, of, of, of the job. So I was making all of this money, but actually making all that money, I, to, to get make all of that money, I then had to kind of spend it on these things to kind of make me feel that doing what I was doing was, was worth it. You know I mean, the sacrifices I was making were worth it. So... And you buy into that lifestyle, as I say. Um, you, you you eat where your colleagues are eating. You drink where your colleagues are drinking. You you do the things that they're doing. So you're in that world. I remember my dad saying to me just before I started in law, he was just like, people always spend what they have. So if you can live um, in a way that you were living before, then you'll do okay. And actually, I didn't. I was like, Each year I got paid more money. Great. I've got more money to spend on this, on that, and all the rest of it. So moving to an entrepreneurial mindset, and yes, it's just that it wasn't even the entrepreneurial mindset, really. It was more the fact that my priorities changed. I found out what my values were and decided that I wanted to start living in alignment with them. And those values weren't about money and status. They were about living a life where I was happy, where I was fulfilled, where I had control over my time, where I had freedom. And so whilst money is obviously important in, in terms of um, transactionally in society, my view of money changed. And it was more a case of this is the way that I want to live. And by living that way and by doing these things and by being in service, I feel that whatever I need will come to me. So now I'm in a position where I feel like what I have now is enough. I may get more and that's great as well, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, I need money for this. I haven't got enough to do that. I haven't got enough to do this. What I have now is enough. And it's taken, it's, again, it's taken time and work to get to that position. It doesn't happen overnight because you think, well, Who will I be if I don't have that status? If I can't go on this holiday, if I can't afford to eat at that restaurant, if I don't have that car. But when you know who you are 
and you know what's important to you, then it's a case of, well, yeah, or I, maybe I can't do all of those things now, but do I really want to? Because that's kind of not who I am, or it's not who I am at this moment. Or yes, I would like to, but actually this thing here is more important to me and I want to focus on that. So money mindset is something that, again, that, that people don't necessarily think about when they're thinking, I want to leave. People think, oh, I can't leave because I won't have enough money to do X, Y, and Z. But again, that's, that's, that's a scarcity mindset. You've got to think beyond that. Um, and I'm reading, reading a really good book at the moment called The Happy Pocket Full of Money. And it's all about, I guess it's about manifestation, but it's time manifestation and the law of attraction to, to real science, quantum physics. And it's fascinating. It's all about money as energy, really. Money in itself isn't, isn't real. I mean, you've got the, the physical sort of paper or, or coins. But actually, if you were to go to a bank and try and withdraw all of that, it doesn't actually exist in reality. So it's a fascinating way of looking at it. I think reading it now, I'm getting more from it because I'm, I'm kind of already on that path. Um, reading it for the first time, I can imagine, particularly as a lawyer, you're like, this is, this is nonsense. But I encourage people to kind of um, start looking into the, the, the concepts of money mindset and questioning what money means to them, why it means that, and whether that's from sort of external conditioning and, 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 and wanting to keep up with the status quo, or whether it's something that's intrinsic to them and, and to their values. I love that. That's a powerful answer, like all of what you have or what we have talked about before. And especially because I'm working with clients on that, obviously the scarcity thing. And it is so funny because whether they have debt in the bank, whether they have 1,000 in the bank or 1 million, some of them, you know, they still struggle with the same thing of this, it's not enough. And you, sh like you, power, like you showed how you shifted that, you know, like coming with that and now coming to like, yeah, everything is provided for me, whatever I have, like this fundamental shift of I have enough. And of course it can be more, but always on the premise of I have enough. And then you actually have enough, even if you have a million in your bank account or a billion, it doesn't matter because the internal shift has happened. Exactly. And this is this is money mindset. Like so many people think it's, and money management is important. However, money mindset is what, what shifts the whole thing because otherwise you will never have enough. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like going back to what we talked about earlier in terms of, of making the external change. You know, um, as you say, if you if you have a million today, I mean, that person who's got a million is not going to feel rich because they see somebody with five million, and that person with five million sees someone with ten million. Um, another good book is the is is the Buddha and the Badass, which was a book which was just. It's been a long time since I've read a book that just spoke to me from the first page, and there is that sort of um, conversation that the author talks about in there about speaking to these millionaires and billionaires and how they didn't feel wealthy because there was always somebody who had more than they did. Somebody had a bigger private jet or a bigger yacht or a bigger whatever. And so unless you're comfortable within yourself as to who you are and you feel that you have what you need, you're never going to get that fulfillment. You're never going to be happy because there's always more. Um, the question is, do you need more? Is that, is that fundamentally going to make you happy? And as has been shown time and time again, no, it's not, unless you've done the work within yourself. Yeah. This would actually be a beautiful ending, but we have another question. <laughs> Last one. Um, like you said, you spoke about the um, being an introvert, not here, but before when we spoke, um, being sensitive. And I think when you did the, the test, the Myers-Briggs test, you were an INFJ. Um, I, I was originally an ENFJ, I think. ENFJ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So share, 
like share a little bit more um, with us, like being sensitive first as a lawyer in this crazy hustle, struggle uh, surroundings. And now, um, like, yeah, how how is life as a sensitive introvert? <laughs> sure. So it's funny because I never really, I always had this thing where I never really felt I fitted into certain situations and I didn't know why. Well, it wasn't something I dwelled on. I just, like I never felt, comfortable in big crowds. You go to a networking event and I would gravitate to the people I knew. I never kind of really wanted to deviate outside of that. Um, and even in, in, in and around the office, it's like with people who you work with every day, like being in a big situation, I never really felt that comfortable. Being with people one-on-one, I, I, I felt I could build quite strong connections and I actually enjoyed that and that, that, that energized me. But the Myers-Briggs test, we, we'd done a few times in law and I was generally coming out as an, an ENFJ, which if anyone who knows that, it does sort of show that you have that sort of intuitive, sensitive side, but it's preceded by being an extrovert. So it wasn't until I was seeing my coach, and it was actually towards the end of last year, so relatively recently, and I was kind of talking through this with her. And she suggested I kind of do this test. I think it's 16 personalities it's on. Uh, she sent me the link. And she also um, sent me a link to, um, the, the, there's a, an author called Susan Kane who gave a TED talk. And so I started by watching the Susan Cain interview and within 30 seconds or, or, or a minute or so, I was like, that's me. That, 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 that's, that's exactly me, you know? Um, the whole thing about sort of what drains your energy and, and what gives you energy. Uh, and then I went through and did the test and it actually, I came out as an INFP. I bring it down here. Um, INFP, a. like, yeah, yeah. you do. <laughs> I have all the INFPs on my podcast. And then there's like, and then I started reading through all the sort of uh, material that came with that, describing what it was. And it's like, it was like reading my life. And it's like, this explains so much about my life, not just in terms of work, but in terms of relationships, in terms of everything. And so what that then allowed me to do was to then get comfortable with, okay, that's, that's who I am. And it's, it's fine to now be like that because I wasn't trying to sort of fit into something that had been predetermined, i.e. ENFJ and being a lawyer in a big international firm. I was now like, this is what represents me. And now I'm out of that sort of situation. I can now sort of better embrace that and do the things that are more true to that personality. So um, one of the things I sort of wrote down is that one of the strategies for an INFPA is confident individualism. Um, and I really um, resonate with that because it can look like, I guess, in certain social situations that maybe I'm not confident because I'm not the one who's sort of out there going and greeting everybody and shaking hands and all the rest of it. But I do have an individualism. I have a way of thinking and a way of doing things. Um, and I'm quite creative, which I'm comfortable with and I'm happy to share with people. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a just a different way of doing things. And there are other traits where it says you're happy living a simpler life or you want to feel a sense of purpose in your work. All of these things are like, yes, 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 yes. Like this is, this is me. This is, this is exactly it. And I think what it's also done for me in terms of being an entrepreneur is that I guess for any sort of new entrepreneur um, and is that you, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot of people saying how to do things, the best way of doing things, how to make this much money in your business, et cetera. And you kind of take all of that in and want to do all the things. But then by going back and reassessing my personality type and who I was, it then allowed me to sort of lean more into that. And so I started this year being like, I want to be more, more me, more authentic to me. 
I want to do things in a simpler way. I don't necessarily want to do all of the sort of complicated um, things that people talk about, funnels, et cetera, et cetera, maybe in the future. But actually what works for me is creating those strong connections and, you know I mean, really sort of working with people and keeping things simple so that I can deliver my best work. Um, so yeah, personality traits are fascinating and they're interesting. And obviously the, the flip side is that you can try to fit into a personality type because it says that you are that. But for me, I just felt it was like a natural home. It's kind of like, ah, oh, okay, now I can relax. This all makes sense. And I've been doing it wrong for all these years. So, yeah. It was the same for me when I figured out this highly sensitive trait, you know, understanding like I'm more an ambivert, not per se just an introvert. So it was like, okay, I need so much time for myself, but I feel like I also love people. So what is that? And then understanding that like HSP just means that you process so much more sensory input that you need time for that. And time like without more sensory input made so much sense. So sometimes, yeah, it's just this relief of understanding things that that's the important thing about all those tests and all those categories, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really opened my eyes. And now I'm like, I'm a lot more comfortable in myself now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, that's why I do that. I mean, because I'm introverted. And actually, I discovered there's actually quite a lot of introverted entrepreneurs, people who you think are extroverts. And they're actually, actually, no, they're not. They're, they're introverts, but they, they found a way of managing their energy and of doing things in a way that works for them. So, so that's really inspiring for me. Um, yeah. definitely. That there is a way, most definitely, yeah. So we have come to the end. Just, um, Ryan, if you would just share like one, two, three, whatever last tips to, to end this for the audience. Sure, happy to. So um, I guess the first tip I would share is mindful movement. Move every day. Um, I prefer the morning. I feel it sets me up for the day. Um, and yeah, whatever it is, whether it's 10, 15 minutes, um, whatever, don't beat yourself up. Just, just move, just get on the mat, focus on the breath and move. And you'll be amazed at the, uh, the shift it can make for you um, in, in, in your day and in your life generally. Um, the second thing, don't overthink things. Um, it's better to take imperfect action than wait for the perfect thing to happen because that will never arrive. You can spend so long stressing over things, which actually, once you put something out there, people don't care about. Um, if you've got a message, share the message. That's what people want to hear. They don't care about the logo you've got or the color of your graphic or if this is perfectly center or the right dimensions, you know, just, just get it out there um, and, and don't, don't stress. Um, and the third thing I would say, and oh God, there's so many I could go on to, but I think one of the big things to me is invest in yourself. Um, I think there can be a tendency to think there is all this information out there. I'll just figure it out. I've, I've lost many hours going down YouTube rabbit holes on things and listening to lots of different people say the same things in slightly different ways, but without actually really acting upon what's being said. Um, and once I started to, and again, this ties into money mindset, is invest in myself. I just noticed that I've basically leapfrogged a few steps because I'm now getting something which is almost tailored to me and which I can then go ahead and implement. So I think if you're looking at things from a place of expense, um, again, that's a mindset thing, and it's, it, it's, it's kind of a scarcity. I think what you need to do is look at things from a place of value. What is the value of that thing to me? For me, I value time quite heavily, particularly having been a lawyer. I always think back to what my charge-out rate was. <laughs> and um, even though I've left, I still kind of tie things to that. Okay, I could do this, but... 
and my charge out rate, it would be this much an hour. And actually, if I pay someone to do it, it would be far less, you know what I mean? Or if I pay somebody to help me through this process, it's going to take me, I don't know, 10 hours, I mean, as opposed to 30 or 40. So yeah, so I guess mindful movement, get yourself moving, focus on the breath, imperfect action, just do it, just start and you'll figure it out as you go along and invest in yourself to sort of, sort of make yourself get where you're going a hell of a lot quicker. I love those. Thank you very much. And uh, I will put Ryan's website and Instagram into the show notes. So he works with basically with professionals around obviously all his teachings um, around yoga and coaching. Uh, perhaps one last sentence, like what is your target group? Just share with us. What do you do for them? Yeah, so I help uh, stressed out professionals develop their uh, clarity, courage and confidence so they can unlock their inner badass and live a life that's true to themselves. Everyone, in my opinion, has an inner badass, that, that person who is just unapologetic and goes for what they want. Um, but we, we keep a lot of it subdued due to social conditioning. So yeah, I help people unlock that and sort of figure out that there's a lot that they can do if they just kind of expand their mind and remove the limitations. Yeah. So I'm going to put um, the link into the show notes or to both of the links and reach out to Ryan. He's an amazing human being. And thank you for all your time. Thank you for your words of wisdom. And until the next time, I would say. Thank you. It's been great being here and I uh, really appreciate you inviting me on the show, Lydia. So thank you and uh, every success. And um, yeah, great. Hopefully we'll speak again soon. Did you like this podcast episode? Then I would be super, super grateful if you gave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Super helpful. And please subscribe to the podcast and share it with people who you know can benefit from it. You can find all links to my social media profiles, my website and contact form in the show notes. And whenever you're ready to take a next step, and that means you want to live a life of more on all levels, then send me a message with where you want to go and what is keeping you where you are, like what keeps you stuck at the moment. And then I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you for listening and until the next episode, much love to you, Lydia.